Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody that's here. Welcome to everyone. I uh, want to welcome those who are online there with us, uh, whether you're there on Facebook or Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, uh, or whether you're there on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, welcome. Uh, we also have our phone live streaming, and we want to say welcome to all of those uh, who are listening uh, there also. If you need that number, uh, please be sure to call the church office. We'll be glad to give you uh, that number so that you can be able to tune in there. If you're there on any of those platforms, be sure to give us a thumbs up. Uh, 
give us a heart, give us a like, uh, subscribe there on YouTube, and be sure to share also, uh, so that that'll just be another way that you can let others know that we are worshiping right now. Uh, if you're at home, we want to encourage you also to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, go to the info tab. It's under the info tab that you'll find our worship bulletin. Uh, you'll, you can get that downloaded if you're at home. We also have our children's worship bulletins for ages 7 and up and ages 3 and up. If you need those here in person, they're in the windowsill over here. Uh, our ushers will be glad to come around and to give you uh, one of uh, the, the worship bulletins. And then if you're one of our guests this morning, let me just remind you uh, that when you leave, today, uh, be sure to fill out one of the guest cards that are in the pew in front of you, uh, but also pick up one of the bags that are on either side of the stage. They're on the table as you walk uh, out that door. There's some on the table out this way. So be sure to pick up one of those. It's just a gift that we want to give to you to say welcome and thank you for being with us. It's got some gifts in it, and then it's got some information uh, about our church. But just wanted to say welcome. Glad to have everybody here. Brother Mike, you'll come. Good morning. Let's, let's give God the glory this morning by praising him through hymn number four, To God Be the Glory. Why don't y'all stand with the choir? Number four, To God Be the Glory. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Praise the Lord. 
Well, as you take a look at your bulletins this morning, you'll notice that your missionary moment, uh, this has been planned by the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board many, many months ago. Uh, and you know the events of this past week uh, with the Queen of England passing away. Uh, it was, uh, to me, sort of God's providence here that this would be our missionary focus uh, of this morning. Uh, Alex and Jess Garcia, they are missionaries there in London, and they had some things happen in their lives about five years ago that really shook them to the core, and they pleaded for God to make some sense of it, and they sought uh, His true healing uh, and uh, with, with burnout as they had experienced there. And as they prayed, God began to show them a lot of depression around them amongst people, and even though they're not professional counselors, uh, themselves, they have been able to facilitate discussions uh, with people around them and to be able to help people uh, to seek Christ and to begin some wellness groups. And so we just praise the Lord for our missionaries who are serving around the world. We want to remember them in prayer. But we begin a special emphasis this morning with our missionaries here across Tennessee. Uh, you'll find in the backs of your pews there uh, a little prayer thing here that we want to encourage you to take a look at. Miss Rima is going to come and share some more about this. Good morning. I serve on our missions ministry team, and today we are encouraging all of our people to begin our September the 11th through the 18th week of prayer for Tennessee missions. If you're on the main floor of our sanctuary, you'll find in the pew rack in front of you our prayer guide for this week. Our theme is called Do a New it's based on the scripture Isaiah 43:19 that says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Tennessee is truly a mission field. And my prayer this week, along with our missions team, is that you would take a prayer guide with you this morning and that you would spend some time this week looking each day at the specific needs and the awareness that we can have as Tennessee Baptists as we try to address the mission field that we have, that we might as Tennesseans share the love of Christ to those within our state. At the end of this week, on September the 18th, as we have become aware of so many of things that we can be praying for, then we'll put our focus on how we can give to meet those needs. I ask that you would just continually, in your heart and your mind, seek God's will for your offering for Tennessee missions. Thank you. And we have a short video that we want to share with you about the missions work going on here in Tennessee. War. Tragedy. Famine. Civil unrest. Around our world, across our country, and even in our own state. Endless headlines report bad news. It's an exhausting cycle of hopelessness. But there is hope. In times like these, God steps in and does something different, something new. During tremendous trial, God told his people through Isaiah, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, 
I will do a new thing. And God is doing a new thing across Tennessee. He's transforming lives and churches. The first ever Afghan church in Tennessee was planted in Memphis and as refugees are ministered to, they are hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ. College students across our state are hearing the gospel at Campus Baptist Collegiate Ministries and committing to full-time ministry. Tennessee Baptist Compassion Ministries like Disaster Relief and Ultrasound Machines are serving people throughout our state, including Tennessee's unborn population. And because Tennessee Baptists gave in years past in record amounts through the golden offering for Tennessee missions, Tennessee Baptists are positioned to welcome thousands of workers and their families arriving in West Tennessee to work at Ford's new automotive manufacturing plant. Even now, people are praying and preparing to potentially reach thousands for Christ through new and revitalized churches. The golden offering is to Tennessee what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is to the International Mission Board. It helps Tennessee Baptists serve through strategic ministries and creates new ministry opportunities as God does a new thing among our family, friends, and neighbors. Would you consider contributing through the golden offering for Tennessee missions? Let's work together and with God on mission here in Tennessee. If you have Facebook, you may have already saw, seen that video uh, this morning. Each morning uh, this week, uh, one of the videos highlighting each one of those days in your prayer guide will be uh, there on Facebook. And then in the evening, uh, there'll be the scripture that's for each day, as well as a podcast that you can listen to that one of our state missionaries will lead uh, you in a time of prayer for those specific needs. So I want to encourage you to take the time to be praying uh, all throughout this week, using that guide, using the videos in the morning on Facebook and the prayer time in the afternoons. The prayer time will be about five uh, in the afternoon that each one of those will be released and then you can use that any time throughout the evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer though for our missions work. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the blessing and the opportunity that each and every Sunday through our tithes and our offerings as we give, we support uh, missionaries uh, like the Garcias who are serving uh, in London. Uh, we support our Tennessee Baptist missionaries, uh, but Lord, we know we have these special offerings uh, with the golden offering for Tennessee missions this time uh, and in our international missions and North American missions at other times throughout the year to help to, to really push to do the work uh, there and it could not be done without these special offerings. And so Father I just pray that you will lay upon our hearts what you would have us to give. Uh, help us Lord to be impressed upon our hearts what to pray for uh, as we go through this week and as we see those videos, as we hear those prayer uh, requests and we hear the time of prayer. Father, I pray that you will uh, just move in our hearts and our lives. Uh, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. We thank you for the many opportunities that you're bringing right here uh, to our very doorsteps uh, in Tennessee. And we just give you the glory and the honor for what's about to happen in your kingdom work through our Tennessee Baptist churches. We ask, Lord, for you to bless our time of worship this morning. We give everything we are and everything we have to you. And may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Well, let me just say two quick things uh, here to close. Uh, just remember that you can do your online giving. You can give to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions uh, online uh, by going to our church website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Uh, there's a designation that you can do there uh, for that giving. Uh, you can also do it in an offering envelope. Just designate on it what it is for. Uh, and then also just remember to keep praying. And then if you've not uh, filled out one of those connection cards, we want to encourage you to take the time uh, to do that. They are in the holders on the wall right at the door there and at these doors uh, on the side. So be sure to get those. If you've already taken one to fill it out, get it back to us so that we can be able to get you on those call-out lists that we're asking you especially about on there. So Brother Mike, come and lead us again. Well, we've heard about our missionaries in Europe. We've heard about our missionaries in Tennessee. And we're all to share that same love. And let's sing 567, Share His Love. for our next hymn and um, before we start singing reminder that children's church will be gathering on the piano side over here at this door join the choir and stand with us as we sing 138 at calvary 
amen, and I heard some of you singing along <laughs> with that, and that's great. We encourage you to do that anytime. Uh, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through verse 35. I've entitled the message this morning, hashtag forgiveness, and I want to encourage you to take that hashtag, use it uh, when you share our posts here. Uh, that'll just help to get the word out even more. People who search for the word forgiveness on the internet will maybe even come uh, across that and across this message. But uh, we're going to begin here in verse 21 and verse 22 of Matthew chapter 18 talking about forgiveness. So let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word this morning, and especially this word about forgiveness, because, Lord, we have been forgiven much through the precious blood of Jesus Christ who purchased uh, our salvation. And, Father, I just pray this morning that as we realize that, I pray that we would come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior if we've never trusted in faith, by faith in him. And, Lord, if we have done that, Lord, I pray that we would also realize that we can cannot hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness and anger within our hearts, but we must come to that place to show the same kind of forgiveness that you've shown to us. So bless your word this morning. Help us to learn about forgiveness and some things that can help us, Lord, uh, along our life's journey uh, to be able to forgive others. And may your blessings be upon your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And you be seated. I heard about a man who was going to see the doctor because he was feeling absolutely terrible and the doctor uh, gave him a careful examination. He left the room to look up some tests and he came back in with this very somber expression on his face and he told the man, he said, sir, I don't know how to break the news to you, but you've got rabies and you're going to die very soon. And the man, he very calmly reached in his pocket, he pulled out a piece of paper took a pen and he just began to feverishly write things down on this piece of paper. And the doctor said, what are you doing? He said, are you making out your last will? And the man said, no, I'm making a list of people that I'm going to go bite. <laughs> Sometimes when people have hurt us, that's the way we feel. We want to bite somebody. Maybe not physically. Maybe so. <laughs> but at least that's the way we want to act towards others. We don't get mad, we get even. And understand this, the church is not immune to that because you can go to any church across America, practically of any denomination, and regardless of its size, its location, its creed, I promise you in, in that church, one thing you would definitely find among the congregation is a bitterness of heart because of unforgiveness in somebody, in some group, or maybe even in the whole body. The Apostle Peter here comes to the Lord Jesus on this occasion and he asks him this question about this matter of forgiveness there in verse 21. When he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, the question that he asks there is a good question, uh, because I'm going to tell you a little secret that if you live long enough, 
uh, you may already know it, but if you live long enough, you're going to experience it, that nobody, absolutely nobody makes it through life free of hurt and free of personal injury. Either someone somewhere at some time has hurt you or they will hurt you. Uh, the question isn't whether or not people are going to hurt you or whether or not people are going to do you some wrong. The question is, how are you going to respond when they do? And so I'm not going to tell you that, that this is going to be an easy message because the subject itself is a difficult subject, much like the last one last Sunday morning uh, on conflict resolution. And the very word forgiveness itself tells us how difficult forgiveness is. The word literally means to let go. It means to send away. Now, we don't like that definition of forgiveness because, yeah, I will, I'll tell somebody I'll forgive you, but I still want to hang on to everything you did to hurt me. And so forgiveness, though, is when you release to the Lord any bitterness that you have towards someone else and you let God handle it in his own way, in his own time. One great psychologist said this, forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. When Peter asked this question of Jesus, notice how he asked it. He asked it in a way that we would be really ashamed to ask, but he was just blunt enough. You know, Peter was always sticking his foot in his mouth, and he was just blunt enough to ask it this, this way. And so his question was, and really what his question was getting at was this, and what he was saying to Jesus was, how many times do I have to forgive a brother who sins against me before I can take him out and beat the living daylights out of him? That's in essence what he's saying. How far do I have to go before I don't have to forgive him anymore and then I can just retaliate towards him? Now notice he makes a suggestion to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, how about seven times? Now, we may not think much of seven times there, but the reason why Peter is specific about seven times is because the going rate in that day was three. In fact, uh, the Jewish law stipulated that a wounded person was obligated to forgive someone three times. And so there were many who were sticklers about that, and they said, okay, it's been three times now, three strikes and you're out. And that's the way we react sometimes. Three strikes, you're out. And that's what it said in the law. And so they said, I'm not forgiving any more than three times. So what Peter does here is he doubles that number and then he throws one in for good measure. He thinks he's got Jesus there. He thinks he's, he, he's giving Jesus a, a real blue light special, if you will. Peter had one big concern, though. Notice what Peter's concern was. He wasn't worried about forgiving someone too little. Did you get that? He wasn't worried about forgiving someone too little. He was worried about forgiving somebody too much. He wasn't worried about under-forgiving an offender. He was worried about over-forgiving an offender. 
And, and as usual, Jesus, he gives them an answer that wasn't just surprising, but really absolutely stunning. Uh, because we notice there what he says in verse 22, 70 times 7. Now remember that Jesus said that. He wasn't giving us here some math lesson. He wasn't saying keep a chart. Uh, when you get to 77 times, as the English Standard Version says, or, or as other versions would say, 491 times, uh, then you can take somebody out. You can uh, retaliate against them. Peter wanted to say seven strikes and then you're out. Jesus wasn't even saying himself 490 strikes or 770 or 77 strikes and you're out. Peter thought if somebody sinned against you and they repented and you forgave them and then they did exactly the same thing again and repented and you forgave them again, you could say, now that's two. Don't forget you've only got one more here that the law says. That's two. We can go to what Jesus said and we can, count, we can count to my number seven or we can count to 77 or we can count to 490. Here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, you can't even keep a scorecard. You can't even pull out your little list and mark off here. Well, they offended me once, twice, three times a lady. Now I can retaliate. If somebody sins against you for the first time and you forgive them, and then you promise when you're forgiving them, you're promising not to ever hold that against them again because that's the definition of forgiving, to let it go. And if they sin against you, what Jesus was saying is that you can't say two, you've got to say, well, that's one. And the next time they do it again, and they truly for, they repent, they, they ask forgiveness, you, you have to say, for your part, that's one. So it's very obvious here that Jesus has to teach not only Peter, but all of us exactly what God expects of us concerning this matter of forgiving those who hurt us. And so to illustrate this truth about forgiveness, Jesus tells another parable and in this parable, he shares several truths about practical principles that we should never forget. And we have to always remember, if we're going to forgive others the way God expects, to forgive, expects us to, uh, we need to remember these things. Now, in forgiving somebody, understand this. When a person sins against us, or they sin against God, there are still consequences. I mean, if you go out and you steal something, there's still going to be consequences for that. I'm not the one exacting those consequences. I'm not the one seeking to, to bring retribution upon that person. But for our part as individuals, as a Christian, we must forgive those individuals the way God has forgiven us. And so here's the first thing I want you to learn this morning from these verses and from this parable, is that we should thankfully receive forgiveness. We should thankfully receive forgiveness. As the parable begins, Jesus teaches us immediately that even though forgiveness is free, it is not cheap. Even though forgiveness is free, it is not cheap. Look at verse 23 down through verse 25. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
And since he could not repay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So here's the beginning of the story. Jesus tells about a man who's embezzled a great sum of money. In fact, the amount that we read there is 10,000 talents. And now if you go by what the various translations of the Bible say, you might get confused about what does this mean. The NIV translates 10,000 talents as 10,000 bags of gold. The Living Bible takes a little more leeway and translates it as 10 million. In the Old Testament, the word talent appears when describing how much gold the Israelites used to build the tabernacle. It was a unit of measure uh, of weight, uh, precious metals like silver or gold, and it weighed about 75 pounds. The Israelites used 29 talents of gold uh, in the construction of their tabernacle. In the New Testament, the word meant something different. It was from the Greek word uh, talenton. It was a large monetary measurement equal to 6,000 drachmas or denarii. Now that's, there's an important reason for us to keep that number in mind and that value denarii because we're going to see that number and that designation of a coin listed later. That was the Greek and the Roman silver coins. It was the largest unit of currency at that time. The denarius was a standard silver Roman coin, and it was equal to a day's wages. So to give you an idea of how much this amount was of 10,000 talents, that, that was the entire tax on the entire region of Galilee for everyone for one year was 200 talents. And so we find that this man owed the equivalent of about 50 years of taxes on the entire region of Galilee. Let's break it down even further. A talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years wages for a laborer. So to just get one of those, you had to work 20 years. This man owed 10,000 talents worth. So you could do the math and you'll find out that this man would have had to work forever to pay back all this money that he had stolen and that would be without any interest. In today's currency, it would be about $14 million. A biblical talent was enough money that a man who owned it could be considered rich. And to have 10,000 of those talents was such an astronomical amount of money for the common man, it was an unforgivable debt. And so notice what happens here. The servant begs the king for a little more time. And so it says, uh, as, as we uh, find in verse uh, 26, it says, The servant fell on his knees imploring him, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Well, uh, get the picture here. This servant's begging for a little more time to pay it back. But both of them, the king and the servant, knew there's no way he could ever possibly pay this back. Clearly, it was a great deal uh, of, of money. And, and the point is this, is that it was an unpayable debt. It was an impossible situation. There was absolutely no way this man could ever pay back what he had stolen. Understand this, though. In order to understand this parable, you've got to realize that debt in this parable represents sin. And sin is an unpayable debt and no matter how hard you work and no matter how good you try to be and no matter how often you go to church and no matter how uh, whatever you do to to give you could never pay off the sin debt that you owe to God in fact 
If you took the very best of every human being that has ever lived on the face of this earth and you took that best and you turned it into gold, there wouldn't be enough gold to make a down payment on the sin debt of one person. That's why we need to understand that forgiveness is free, but it is not cheap. Because as you're going to see, it costs somebody. And we're going to find that it costs the king a great deal to forgive this debt. So Jesus goes on to tell us the rest of the story. Uh, look again at verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, and forgave the debt. Another point we need to realize about forgiveness is that forgiveness is full, not partial. It's full, complete, not partial. Now, that, this is what this king did. He took uh, what this man had stolen and had therefore become a debt, and he takes that debt and he turns it into a loan but in, that in and of itself wasn't enough to take care of what this man did because whether it was a debt or whether it was a loan, he still couldn't pay it. And so the king went even further and he not only converted the theft into a loan, he forgives the loan. And to put it another way, he took what was theft, turned it into debt, took what was debt, turned it into a gift, and then paid the full amount of the gift out of his own pocket. So you can see immediately what happened. The debtor owed a debt that he could not pay. And the king paid a debt that he did not owe. And may I just say without passing over it too lightly, that's exactly what Jesus did for you on the cross. We owed a sin debt that we could not pay. And he paid our sin debt that he did not owe. But then Jesus goes on to show this in verse 27 that forgiveness must be final and not temporary. Verse 27, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him. And I, notice he released him and forgave him the debt. You can just imagine the feelings and the thoughts this man's going through. What had happened here? The slate's clean. The debt has been canceled. The prisoner has been released. Nothing was left hanging over anybody's head. The, the book was, it was erased from the book. The book was closed. Not only was the debt forgiven, the debt was forgotten. That's a very important thing for us to understand. We also have a master. His name is Jesus. And he has forgiven an insurmountable debt. But does he demand reimbursement? I mean, before he forgives us, does he insist on his pound of flesh? When, when your feet go the wrong road, does he demand you cut them off? When your eyes look twice when they should have never looked once, does he blind you? When you use your tongue for profanity instead of for praise, does he cut it out? If he did, we would be one disfigured world. But, but we never, he, he never demands any payment because what God forgives, God forgets. And that's why we ought to thankfully receive forgiveness. Second thing you need to learn today, we must humbly render or show forgiveness. We must humbly render forgiveness. So we learn here that forgiveness experienced must become forgiveness 
expressed. You can't just say, I mean, we can, anybody can say any words. You can, I can say to every one of you here this morning, I love you. But if I don't demonstrate that to you, what good are the words? You can say to people who have wronged you, I forgive you. But if you never demonstrate that forgiveness towards them through love in Jesus Christ, uh, then, then it's not expressed. And forgiveness experienced ought to always become forgiveness expressed. Look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Remember that word denarii we mentioned a while ago. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and put him in prison until he paid the debt. And so what we begin to see here uh, again is that this story turns in an incredible way. Notice what happens. His master summoned him and said, You wicked servant. <clears throat> well, verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Verse 33, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? The story turns, wow. Here's this man who had just recently been released from his debt that he could not pay, and he just happens upon one of his debtors. And so rather than reciprocating the forgiveness that he had just received, he ruthlessly demands full payment. In fact, what we realize is he wasn't really here expecting payment. He was really looking for punishment. Because the incredible thing is, is that this man only owed him 100 denarii. And we mentioned that a while ago to show you how much that is. It was such a small price that a top slave, top price for a slave was one talent, and an expensive slave could be sold for at least one-tenth of a talent, or roughly 500 denarii. So this man could have been sold for that amount of money. In fact, if you read what was going to happen to the previous man, he was going to be sold, his wife and his children, to begin to pay off this debt. This man only owed 100 denarii, which is about 100 days wages. A, a denarii was about a penny back in those days, would be about a dollar and, dollar's worth in our today's money. But if you took the fact that a denarii was a day's wages, and if you made $10 an hour uh, today at a full-time job working eight hours a day, uh, $80 you would make a day times 100, hour, 100 days would equal about $8,400 today. So to put it mildly, this man only owed a bare fraction of what the other man owed the king. What's even more bizarre is that he demands that his debtor be put in jail until he can repay the debt. So think about that. I mean, that really, if you think about it, it leaves you scratching your head. Not only is this man ungrateful, he's unreasonable. Because how can you expect this man to earn any money to pay off this debt while he's over there in prison. 
I mean, if he doesn't have any money while he's out of jail, how's he going to make any money while he's in jail? Is he going to sell magazines to the prisoners or something? I mean, I mean, he doesn't make any sense. But isn't that just the point? Bitterness and the refusal to forgive never makes any sense. This man wasn't worried about getting paid. He would have put the man to work and said, okay, you got to work till you pay off your debt. No, he says, no, you're going to prison. He, doesn't even, he bypasses any kind of option of the man working off his debt. So to put it in perspective, that man who owed and was forgiven millions of dollars wasn't willing to forgive a man who owed thousands of dollars. So here's the point. When you compare our sin debt to God, to someone else's debt, sin debt to us, it's like comparing a mountain to a molehill. I want you to learn this valuable lesson. Forgiveness cannot be just some past event in your life. It must be a present experience in your daily living. So if you've been set free, you ought not to live as though you're still in prison. Did you know that one of the most effective ways that God has of keeping us conscious of our forgiveness is the forgiveness that we received in relationships with other believers? I mean, because think about this. When somebody else sins against you and you have to forgive them, every single time it brings to your thought and back to your mind, God is reminding you, you had to be forgiven too. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And so we're going to learn in just a moment that the key to forgiving others is to quit focusing on what they've done to you and start focusing on what God has done for you. That's why we have to humbly render and show forgiveness. Here's the last point I want you to get. We will be regretful if we refuse forgiveness. This is a sad tragedy for what we see that happens in the next verses here. Look at verse 34 and verse 35. Now remember, his master's already drug him in and said, you wicked servant, I forgave all this. You should have had mercy on him as I had mercy on you. Notice verse 34, though. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. We said just a moment ago, there was no way this guy was ever going to pay off that millions of dollars. There was, it was just impossible. He had been forgiven of it. But because of his actions, now the consequences are the master delivers him to the jailers until she, he should pay all his debt. Verse 35, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now notice what happens to this unforgiver. When the king hears about the hatefulness of this man, he immediately has him thrown back into prison, and the man is back into debt. You know why the parable turns this way? Unforgiving servants always end up in prison. Just think about it. Bitter people live in prisons of anger and guilt and depression. And the only difference is, is that God doesn't have to put us in, in some prison or in some jail. We build our own prison. 
We create our own prisons. The Bible says in the book of Job, in Job chapter 21 and verse 23 and verse 25, one dies in his full vigor, being wholly at ease and secure. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. So don't miss the fact that even though this man was thrown back into prison, it was his own fault. Here's what I want you to realize this morning. There are some who may be here this morning. You may be listening online to this message, and you're in a prison built with the bars of your own bitterness, your own anger, your own resentment. And if you don't show forgiveness, if you forget the forgiveness that you've received, and you refuse to forgive others who've hurt you, then God will cause you to endure tortures like stress and hardship and a troubled conscience and bitter spirits and poor health until you deal with the sin of unforgiveness. That's why the book of James says this in James chapter 2 and verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So the worst prison in the world is the one that's created by your own bitter spirit. It's the dungeon of a bitter heart. So here's the real problem of an unforgiven spirit. An unforgiving spirit is the mark of an unforgiven spirit, which is therefore the mark of an unforgivable spirit. That's what verse 35 is saying. Understand this, you may be theologically straight, you may be morally upright, but if you don't have a forgiving spirit, then you are spiritually bankrupt. Thomas Fuller once said, He that cannot forgive others burns the bridge over which he himself must pass, for every man has the need to be forgiven. I read a story the other day about a pastor by the name of Peter Miller who lived back in the Revolutionary War days in Ephrata, uh, Pennsylvania during the Revolutionary War. Uh, although Miller was greatly loved by everyone in his community uh, as a preacher there, uh, there was one man by the name of Michael Whitman who, who lived near the church, who hated him, who, who had earned a horrible reputation uh, of abusing this minister. Uh, Whitman was not only a hater of the church, but it also turned out that he was a traitor uh, to his country. And he was convicted of treason. He was sentenced to death. The trial was conducted in Philadelphia, and no sooner did Miller uh, hear of it than he set out on foot to meet one of his friends, General George Washington, at Valley Forge. He went to George Washington because he was the president of that day, and, and he interceded for this man's life. But George Washington told him, he said, I'm sorry, I cannot, forgive, I cannot grant your request for your friend. Miller cried, friend? Well, that's the worst, man, the worst enemy I have in the world. And, and George Washington, he said, what? He said, I mean, you've traveled 60 miles to save the life of an enemy? He said, that in my judgment puts this matter in a different light. He said, I will grant him a pardon for your sake. The pardon was made out. It was signed by General Washington. The preacher Miller, he proceeded at once on foot to a place that was about 15 miles away where they were going to hang this man. There was that man there at the gallows, and he saw Miller hurrying toward the place. And he had been so hurtful and so angry towards this preacher. Here's what he said. He said, there's old preacher Miller, 
He's walked all the way from Ephrata to have his revenge gratified today by seeing me hung. But scarcely had he spoken the words when Miller pushed his way through the crowd to that condemned man, handed him that pardon that saved his life. Forgiveness. How sweet it is. It is not. It is free for us to receive, but it is not cheap. Because it costs God, his only begotten son, who died on the cross for your sins. You're here this morning, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Then I want to encourage you today to call out to him and to say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I come seeking your forgiveness. I realize I don't deserve it. But I come throwing myself at your mercy and asking you to forgive me and to cleanse me and to come into my life and save me and to help me live for you all the days of my life. But if you're here this morning and you've already done that, you already know without a doubt you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but somewhere along the way somebody's hurt you, somebody's wronged you, and you've been holding on to that bitterness in your heart, I'm going to close in a prayer this morning that I want to encourage you to pray in your own heart this morning and in the days ahead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Your only son, Jesus, loved me enough to come to this earth to experience the worst pain imaginable so I could be forgiven. Father, your mercy flows to me in spite of my faults, in spite of my failures. Your word says, Lord, to, to clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Lord, help me to demonstrate an unconditional love today, even to those who have hurt me. Lord, I understand that even though I feel hurt, even though my emotions don't have to control my actions, Father, may your sweet words saturate my mind and my thoughts and my heart and help me to release the hurt and help me to begin to love as Jesus loves. Help me, Lord, to see my offenders through my Savior's eyes. Help me, Lord, to remember that if I can be forgiven, so can they. Help me to understand, Lord, that there are no levels to your love. Lord, that we're all your children, and your desire is that none of us should perish. So teach us, Lord, to let the peace that comes from Christ rule in our hearts. Lord, when I forgive in words, let your Holy Spirit fill my heart with peace. Lord, I pray this peace that only comes from Jesus will rule in my heart. Keeping out any doubt, keeping out any questions, helping me to forgive, to just give it to you and to let you take it and take care of it in your way, in your time. Lord, when I see that person who's hurt me, bring this prayer back to remembrance so I can take any ungodly thoughts that I may have to take them captive and to make them obedient to Christ. 
And Father, may the confidence of Jesus Christ in my heart guide me into the freedom of forgiveness. I praise you, God, for the work that you're doing in my life in teaching and perfecting my faith. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand and sing our hymn of invitation, Jesus is tenderly calling. Will you come this morning as the Lord lays on your heart? Brother Mike, if you will. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of said he has only two quick announcements. Well, I don't know if they're going to be quick. Sorry. So we have coming up this Tuesday FCA night at 
sponsored by Elk River. And so the Elk River FCA is having a banquet. And right now we have two who are able to go. We still need about five more. It will be this Tuesday at Church of Christ at Cedar Lane. And doors open at 6 and meals at 630. Uh, it is uh, no cost to you. And so it is there to hear more about FCA and just represent Highland as we continue to uh, give to FCA as a minister to the schools in the area, not only here, but also in, not in Tullahoma, but also in Franklin County as well, and, and Moore County. And so it's a great opportunity for you to hear about FCA and hear how uh, students are impacted through this ministry. And so the, the keynote speaker will be uh, Brian Morris, who is the baseball coach at Tullahoma High School. I think you'll be encouraged by that. Also, parents, if you have a junior or senior and they are still trying to figure out where uh, they would like to go to college. Uh, Grace Baptist Church is hosting Union Day. And so Union University on October 9th, uh, in just, just next month, uh, at either eight, at 11 a.m. they will be having Dr. Dub Oliver, their president, speaking at their uh, service. And following after that, they will have a lunch for students. And so if you are interested and you would like more information about that, please see me. Uh, you do need an RSVP for the lunch, but Union is a great uh, university uh, for your students to be a part of, very uh, Christ-centered. And we had an opportunity to go there yesterday with the youth as we went to an apologetics conference. So if you have a junior or senior and they're still trying to figure things out, this would be a great opportunity for them to hear about uh, Union University. Thank you. Oh, we got one more. <laughs> so um, also, uh, parents, we also ha have a, a guest coming tonight to speak at, to the youth at five. He is from Peru, and so he'll be sharing his testimony. And so I just want to encourage uh, you and your students, if you can, be there to hear uh, his testimony as we have uh, been doing uh, different testimonies uh, the past couple of weeks. So last week we had Miss Samantha shed everybody in tears. And so I can't promise that won't happen again, but uh, you will be definitely encouraged. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, just a reminder, there's a deacon's meeting tonight at 4 p.m. Um, if there are more people that would like to uh, volunteer for Awana, please see Miss Linda or uh, Brother Jim and uh, get plugged in there. Um, there is a CPR class uh, the, on the 15th at 5 p.m. Uh, please sign up. Uh, it's completely free to the people that want to come. And uh, if you can come, please join for that. Um, for prime timers, that's this Tuesday, so please sign up for that if you want to come. And uh, keep in mind that's a new time. It's at 12, not 1230, um, so sign up for that. Um, keep a couple of people in your prayers, uh, all the people on the prayer list, but uh, in particular, Rita Fulcher um, had her cancer return, and uh, she's going to have chemo starting pretty soon. So uh, keep her in your prayers and her family. And uh, Susie Barton, who is at NHC going through some rehab stuff, so keep them in your prayers. And then um, there is a Buildings and Grounds meeting um, Monday, uh, tomorrow at 5 p.m. So if you're on that committee, make sure you're there for that. And let's go to the Lord in prayer and dismissal. Dear Gracious Lord, our Heavenly Father, we just come before you and thank you so much for each and every person represented and family represented here, Lord. We just uh, thank you so much to allow us to come here and worship you, Lord. We thank you so much for uh, Brother Jim's message to us today and your message that you've laid on our hearts for each and every one of us. Um, we just ask you to bless us as we go about this week and forgive us our sins where we fail you each and every day, Lord. Um, but we thank you for Jesus Christ and the grace you give us with him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.